Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. connected with us to let us know, hey, I'm here. I made a decision today. I want to be involved or I want to know more about Simple Church. And if you take time to fill out a connect card, if it's your first time here, or like I said, maybe this is your first time filling out a card, if you'll drop off that, that completed card at our Connect Center, we have a gift we'd like to give you just to say thank you for being here with us today. So make sure you do that. And if you're interested in getting uh, involved, uh, one of the teams I can tell you we desperately need some help on, I say desperately, we just need some help on, is the uh, parking team. Uh, and it's wildly unpopular in the middle of the winter to be out there in the parking team. But we appreciate our parking team. Come on, guys. Tell them you love them. Isn't it so good to pull into the parking lot and see smiling faces and people telling you where the best spot is? Like, I just, uh, it's just, it's just a nice treat. So if you'd like to be part of the parking team, fill out that Connect card, let us know. We'll get you connected with that team. A couple of things I want to make sure you know before we uh, get into what we're doing today. First of all, um, I, you know, we're, we're just coming out of the holiday season and that can be difficult for people. And, and we're also, uh, there's quite a few of us in the room that are Really struggling with the loss to that team up north yesterday. Um. <laughs> wow. So uh, just, just, just be kind to one another today, okay? Love each other well. The holidays weren't hard enough on some of you. Uh, losing yesterday. Uh, actually, I, I, I expected there to be like way less people here because we were all like in this infinite sadness and like depressed. But uh, we're glad that you guys are here today. So, so just love your neighbor well today. A couple things you need to know. Um, baptisms are next Sunday. If you are, have made a commitment to follow Jesus, your next step is to get baptized. We'd love to get you some information on that. You can fill out the Connect card or you can stop by the Connect Center and let them know that you're interested in getting baptized. We'll take care of you. Our Christmas party is coming up and uh, this is our welcome back Christmas party. We would love to have all of you join us there. You say, what do I need to do? Well, you just need to register. So if you have our Simple Church app uh, or if you don't have that, you can stop by the Connect Center and our Connect team will help you get registered. Would love to see you there. It is Monday, December 6th at Urban Air. So it starts at 5.30. We want you to come in, get checked in, make sure you fill out all your waivers and things. And then, uh, and then the party begins at 6 p.m. We have a lot of fun prepared for all of you. So please make sure you register. Registration cutoff is this Wednesday. We need to be able to let them know how much uh, food to order and things like that. So please make sure you register online. It's free to you. Uh, we just want to gather together and have a great time. If you've never been to Urban Air, it's right here in Reynoldsburg on Livingston and at Bryce, Livingston and Bryce. And so uh, I went in the other day. I'd never been. And there is so much stuff that all of you adults are going to get broken on. It's going to be a great time. Uh, they, they've got like jousting stuff in there and like it, it, I, you just need to come. It, it'll be a great time. It'll, your kiddos are going to have a good time, but you're going to have a good time. And, uh, and, and it, even if you aren't willing to play in the games, you can laugh at all the adults that will play in the games. It'll be, it'll be fun. So make sure you register. Uh, also, let, just a, f- a few other things to let you know of. We've started prayer here on Saturday mornings. Every Saturday morning at 9 a.m., we're gathering in the building for an hour of prayer. We'd love to see you come out for that. Uh, even through the holidays. And then 
uh, Holiday Hope. Holiday Hope is our effort to help families this Christmas, and we have quite a few kids that still need to be sponsored. So if you'd like more information about that, you can get that on our app, or you can stop by the Connect Center and let them know, hey, you'd, you'd like to be part of sponsoring a child, or if you'd just like to help us get the word out, because a lot of businesses and individuals are looking for an opportunity to sponsor a child uh, for Christmas or a family for Christmas, uh, share our, our social media stuff. Share, share it on social media so that they have an opportunity to know, hey, this is where they can get connected. This is where they can make a difference. So amen, everybody. So let's just do that, all right? Well, we're in a series called Stress Out, and um, we've been talking about the, the, the idea that man, life is just full of stresses, and I think that, that, uh, that God has a better plan for us, that, that carrying around the stresses that we've experienced in our life is not what God wants for you. In fact, the weight of your life, God always intended to carry. It's not meant for you. And as we approach the subject of getting the stress out, like we, we took a, a survey of you guys around Easter and asked you, what are the number one things that stress you out? And that survey came back to the top four things that stress you out are also the same four things that the American Psychology Association said stressing everybody out. So, so you're welcome, guys. You're, you're, you're in good company. You're, you're just as stressed as everybody else is. And so we've been talking through those subjects and, and dealing with them. But we think that when it comes to stress... Uh, that, that we can take those stresses and anxieties to God, but we've got a role to play is my point. That, that anxieties or, or that stress or that things are gonna happen in your life and you can't stop those things from happening, right? But we can have a different response to those things that can impact the outcome of those things in our lives. In other words, we can choose to do something different that gets the stress out. Amen, everybody? And so last couple of weeks, we've been talking, we started off with, with the idea of prioritizing your time and uh, it, it was how, how important it is for you to have a priority for your life. Otherwise, everybody else will prioritize your time and your money, your energy, that, it, that it's important to do that. You can listen to that message. We also talked about how to live light, how to, to unburden yourself from those anxieties. And then last week, our creative pastor, Pastor Derek, uh, was here, and he, uh, he did an incredible job. You guys, if you were here last week, did you enjoy Pastor Derek? Well, that was risky just to put him out there on blast like that. If you guys didn't like it and didn't cheer, that was, uh, that was risky. But everybody loved it, Derek, so well done, bro. Uh, but uh, I, I really enjoyed, uh, what a powerful message. I, I loved how he said that, that vocation is your ministry location. Your vocation is your ministry location. In other words, that your job may not be the ministry that God's called you to, because very few people actually get to live that out full time. I'm, I'm doing that, but very few of us actually get to do this, to have it be their job. So, so all of us can look at our jobs as, as our ministry is on, on our vocation location. It's on our job. I remember when I worked, worked in, uh, in, in IT, I, I remember going in a little bit early because I, I knew that I had a ministry there. Even though I wasn't working full-time in ministry, I knew, and I would come in just a few minutes early before everybody got there, and I'd walk the halls and I'd pray. I'd lay hands on desks, and, and, and I'd just pray for those people there. Lord, give me an opportunity to love them well today, because my, my vocation was my ministry location. Some of us, I feel like we were afraid to step into that space, because you're like, well, Aaron, did anybody say yes to Jesus while you were working there? Well, no. No, they didn't, but you know what? The, the word is clear that one plants... One waters, and it's God who gives the increase. None of those people that I worked with, none of those people that I prayed with, that I, that I talked to about Jesus while I was there, none of those people's stories is over yet. Amen, everybody? 
And so even, even if you don't get to see the fruit of your investment, I would encourage you, man, if you missed that message, go back and listen to it. Get it in your heart. You can make your vocation your ministry location. Love that. Thank you, Pastor Derek. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about getting the stress out of your relationships. Uh, good news is the Bible talks a lot about this. In fact, in the New Testament alone, 56 times the Bible references what we call one another's. It tells us how we interact with one another, how we are to love one another. And in fact, this, this subject, relationships, was the number one stressor for you and really is the number one stressor for all of us today. So God's word is gonna help us and one big thing is what I'm gonna give you. One big idea I'm gonna give you that will help you get the stress out all across your relationships. And if you're ready for it, here it is. You need to learn to let go. You just, you just need to learn to let go. We'll talk a little bit more about what that means. Let's get into our theme verse. Luke 21, 34 says this, be careful or your hearts will be weighed down with carousing, drunkenness, and the anxieties of life, and that day will close on you suddenly like a trap. The Bible's giving us a warning. It says, hey, even though Luke is the one who wrote this, we know that the Bible was inspired by the Holy Spirit. They inspired Luke to write this. It says, hey, watch out. Be warned. We all have a tendency to allow the cares of this world to overwhelm us. And if we stay in that space, if we stay in that place of anxiety, if we stay with those worries weighing us down, the Bible calls it a trap, that it will ultimately trap us. We'll live a trap life. This anxiety, this worry, this wringing our hands and the stress of life, it's all just a trap. In fact, I heard it said that anxiety is like quicksand. The longer we're in it, the deeper we sink. So we need to deal with it. And the good news is that God has a plan for us. He has a plan for how we deal with these anxieties, these stressors, specifically in our relationship. And so, because honestly, there's plenty out there that's trying to attach itself to us, right? There's plenty of stuff out there that's trying to stress us out, like job changes, money issues, illness in the family, a new school, maybe moving, the holidays, long lines at Chipotle. And all that was just this week. You know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of stuff that causes stress in our lives, but nothing causes stress like what is brought on by relationships. Can I get a, an amen out there? Anybody can relate. You know what I'm talking about, right? Relational stress will come. It's going to happen. And that, that stress that's going to come can be a weight that will ultimately destroy us because relational stress, if we were to look at our lives, relational stress can destroy and affect everything. Everything. Relational stress brings pressure, hurts, wounds, trauma, and baggage. It can affect your mental health, your physical health, your emotional health. And ultimately, it can affect your future. Relational stress is one area that impacts every other relationship too. Because the tensions we have with one person, when we're living in that tension, we carry that tension over into other relationships as well, and it, and it has an impact. I think back to some of the times that I've felt relational stress in my life, and uh, uh, many of you know this, that, that you know, when I was in my early 20s, I, was, I got married very young. And, uh, and, and in that situation, that, that first marriage, it was over within a year. There, was, there had been some betrayal. There had been some, some mistrust that developed. And in the end, the, the marriage relationship was irreconcilable. 
and it ended in divorce. And I was hurt and I was angry. As a result of that, I carried that in my heart and I carried that, that into my next relationship. A few years later, I met my wife, Shanda, and we got married pretty quick. We, we dated for three months. I asked her to marry me. Six months later, we got married. Now, I don't know how she picked me because I know what a jerk I was. In fact, my mom called me a jerk, said the first five years of our marriage, she didn't know how my wife stayed with me because I had tension with, with my, my ex-wife. I had tensions that were unresolved, and I carried those tensions. I took that baggage. I brought all those hurts into the relationship with my new wife. And all the mistrust that I had from that first relationship carried over to her. So one day, she looked at me and said, you know what, Aaron? I'm not her. I didn't do those things to you. There was, there was times she wanted to go out, and she wanted to go hang out with the girls, and she was not doing anything wrong. But that was her desire, and I was mistrusting. I'm grabbing the phone, and I'm checking the call log because we didn't have iPhones then. Oh, everybody calm down. Like, there was a time. Does anybody remember that? When we didn't have, like, a smartphone, right? We just had a call log. We had the caller ID, and, and then text messages came along, but nobody was using those because it was 30 cents a text message, right? Like, yeah, this is my life. We used to use landlines. But, but I brought all this mistrust into the relationship and I was checking her phone and then when we did get smartphones, I was checking emails and I was, I was doing all this stuff because I brought baggage from the tensions of those relations, from that last relationship into my marriage. And it nearly destroyed our relationship. Something happened. In, in 2010, God got a hold of me and I, I wound up at a church and I wound up working through that, that pain that was there because my marriage was almost over. And the Lord got a hold of my heart, and what happened was I decided it was time to forgive because that bitterness was killing me. That bitterness from that first relationship was destroying me. It was destroying my marriage. It was destroying my relationship with my kids, and it was ruining future opportunities with anybody and everybody around me. When I decided I was done, I decided to do things God's way. I mean, like, before I embraced that, and I don't know if you can relate or not, if you've ever been so upset with somebody, but I was losing sleep at night. Losing sleep at night because I was laying in bed fantasizing how I would hide a body. Come on, somebody, right? Come on, don't judge me. You don't know my life. You've been there too, if you're willing to be honest. You don't need to raise your hand, and that's fine, but, like, I was losing sleep at night just staying up, thinking about this. Relational stress was destroying me, and God got a hold of my heart. And the pathway to my healing was choosing to forgive. Now, I never called her up and said, hey, I forgive you for all these things. I just chose to do it. I just chose to forgive. I chose in my heart, I'm gonna forgive you. And every time I got angry about stuff again, I chose to forgive again. Because forgiveness is a process. Forgiveness is a journey that sometimes depends on what the situation is, can take time. And as I chose to forgive, my heart got a lot lighter. Man, I started choosing to forgive everybody. Not just in prayer. I started writing letters to people, forgiving them. Letters that would never be sent, by the way. Journaling on how free I felt because I chose to forgive. And it completely changed my life. Now, forgiveness. Forgiveness is what we're going to talk about today. But even further than that, reconciliation. Because forgiveness itself isn't reconciliation. Forgiveness is where... I take the, the debt you owe me because of the way you wronged me, and I cancel it. Reconciliation is when we both choose to do that, 
and we both bring the balances to zero, and we're both cool with each other again, right? You ever forgiven somebody, but they didn't forgive you back? They still held on to a grudge? If they, if they had forgiven you back, that's what we call reconciliation, meaning your balance is brought to zero. That debt on both sides get canceled. And it wipes out the debt of trauma that's caused. It wipes out the debt of wrongs that were done or harmful things that were said. Now, forgiveness doesn't mean that those things that were said or those things that were done were okay. The way that you've been hurt, whether that was physically, emotionally, mentally, none of those things are okay. That's not what forgiveness is saying. Forgiveness is choosing. It's a pathway we get on to forgive somebody and trust God. To forgive somebody of the debt that they owe us. Now, the beautiful thing about forgiveness is for it to work and for God to work in your life. Both sides of the part, both parties do not have to be at the table. Both people don't have to be willing to forgive or to reconcile. You can still go on a journey of freedom yourself and experience the blessing that God has for you if you choose to forgive. I think in my situation with my ex, that like my story isn't over, her story isn't over either. And there may be a time that God may reconcile us to, our, to each other where we have a full forgiveness and a debt. Obviously, I'm married now, and I'm very happy with my boo. I just need to say that. So I don't mean reconciliation as if the marriage were to come back together. I mean that we would have peace on both sides, forgiveness on both sides. There's a day that may come. Forgiveness is the pathway. Now, I know as we talk about something as heavy as this, the tendency is to just check out because you're like, nope, not going to do that, but please stay with me. Stay with me. Because if you're here today and you're a Christ follower, this is something that Jesus said that Christ followers must do, that we have a responsibility to look like him. In fact, when the disciples came to Jesus and said, hey, teach us how to pray. Teach us how to be in relationship with our heavenly father. That's what they're asking. Teach us how to have the relationship that you have with the father. And Jesus said, when you pray, and he lays out a few things. And one of the things he said in Luke eleven four, he said, forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. This is the call. This is the pattern, is to forgive, to receive forgiveness and to get it, to give it. See, the truth of the matter is, is you are expected to sin, and God provides grace for that. And others, well, others are expected to sin against you. But we're expected to receive forgiveness from God, and we're expected to give it to others. This is what Jesus is saying. Jesus understands that the baggage of unresolved relationships is difficult. And he's saying, hey, if you want the stress out of your relationships, this is the way. But wait, it doesn't stop there. There's more. If you aren't already uncomfortable, let me make it worse for you. Because this isn't about just actively for forgiving someone. This is also about going to someone whenever they have something against you, and actively pursuing peace. Whether you did something wrong or not, that if they feel like you've done something wrong to them, that you have a responsibility to go and reconcile. Jesus said this in the Sermon on the Mount. He said in Matthew 5, 23 through 24, Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar, and there, there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, 
Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. Now, it's easy to point out when someone has wronged you, right? But it's really hard for us to admit that we were wrong or to humble ourselves and step into a space where we say, I'm sorry, I was wrong, even if we don't really feel like we were. That's a really hard thing for us to do. It doesn't say if you wrong them, by the way. That's not what the verse says. It says if they think you wrong them, if they're holding something against you. I, I, there was a time in high school I had a guy come up to me. He was threatening to beat me up. And I said, why do you want to beat me up? He said, because you said something about my girlfriend. And I said, I, you, first of all, let me just step into this space because he was like a ninja guy. Like he was one of those guys that was like, he was known for being, I don't Taekwondo or one of those things. I'm not sure. But I was scared of him. I was bigger than him, but I was scared of him. And he was threatening to beat me up over, over something I didn't even do. And I said, are you certain that that was me? Because I know your girlfriend and I never would have said that. And there was a misunderstanding. I apologize, but that wasn't me. And we reconciled. Had to step into a space. That, that wasn't me. I, I didn't do that. But, but, if, but let's go ahead and fix this so that I don't get beat up, right? Like, let's just go ahead and do, handle that. <laughs> but this is important because it says, go to them. Basically, what this is saying is that if, you're, if you get up in the morning and you've done fed the kids their Pop-Tarts and you got them in the car on time, and your spouse is in the car on time, everybody's ready. Nobody fought on the way to church this morning. We got into the parking lot, and I got the best parking spot in the house. When I came in, everybody greeted me, hugged me. Hey, it's good to see you, fam. I got the freshest cup of coffee. I got in the service. Oh, I got the best seat. I got my favorite seat. Anybody have a favorite seat in here? I got my favorite seat. And the worship is fire. My goodness, you can do all things. Mm, yes, Lord, you can do all things. And then you remember. You remember Sally or Steve. <laughs> Stinking Steve. And you remember. Oh, yeah, he's got beef with me. The Bible says your gift whether that's a financial gift or your worship. The gift that you came to bring, said, go ahead and set it on down on the ground. The better thing for you to do is go ahead and leave service. Call up Sally, or better yet, get in front of Steve and go and make things right. That is a better act of worship than you looking all cute and in service and enjoying the songs and sitting in here listening to a sermon. Now, before you get up and go running out of the church, look, he's, I got one guy, he's going, he's going. Right, he's got a conversation to have. I'm just kidding, I know he's taking care of his kid. We love you, Ryan. Before you go running out, understand this, that, that there's, there's a heart that you need to have behind this. There's a heart that you need to adopt. Because I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Aaron, that's a little bit extreme. That, that's a little bit extreme to, to leave a church service or to walk away from the gift that you came to bring God, a gift of worship or a gift of sacrifice and financial gift. It's, it's a bit extreme. Say, Aaron, you really want me to do that? No, no, I don't want you to do that. I didn't write that. Jesus did. Those words are in red. 
our Lord, the guy that's in charge, El Jefe, for those of you that speak Spanish, the boss, he's the guy who said, this is what I want you to do. He said, I want you to go and make things right. Leave your offering. Be reconciled. Come back. And so let me give you some clarity on that because there's a spirit to reconciliation. And Paul helps us with that in Romans 12, verses 9 through 19. It talks about about our hearts towards one another. It says, love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. Live in harmony with with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. And if it's possible, if it's possible, everybody say, if it's possible. possible. Yeah, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, that means you make every effort, if it's possible, you don't send them a wimpy little text message and hope for the best. You don't just make a single phone call. If it's possible, show up at their house. I did that once. I showed up, I showed up at the doorstep of somebody I knew had some issues with me. I showed up with some bread and some grape juice. And I said, we're going to take communion together. I need to own whatever this rift is in our relationship. It was very unexpected. They were like, what are you doing here? <laughs> True story. It was awkward, but I stepped into the space. Because as much as it depends on me, I have a responsibility to step into that space And to try to reconcile. It says, if it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it's mine to avenge, I will repay, says the Lord. So whatever part you can play, live at peace with one another. Be a reconciler. Reconciler is somebody that rebuilds the bridges, that connection between you and someone else. Build those bridges. You know, when it comes to reconciliation, the truth is you can't control somebody's response to your attempt to reconcile. The day that I showed up at the door with, with the bread and the grape juice, they, they could have very easily slammed the door in my face. They could have very easily rejected me. But I went out of an act of obedience because everything that's in me, as far as it's up to me, I'm gonna reconcile. I, at the end of the day, I'm gonna do whatever I can to honor God's command to be at peace with everyone. Step into that space. Do all you can to make it right. Then 2 Corinthians tells us this, uh, chapter 5, verses 17 through 21. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, the new creation has come. In other words, all your old ways of handling things, your old ways of dealing with beef. Some of you showed up at Thanksgiving without a turkey, but you did bring some beef. You know what I'm saying? good stuff today. Come on, kids. It's good. But it says, ah, no, no, no. The new, the old's gone. You're a new creation. It means you're going to show up with some new thinking patterns. You're going to show up with some new ways of being. The old is gone. The new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ. Isn't that beautiful? 
that God reconciled us to himself, that he paid the debt for us, and he did it all through Jesus, canceled the debt we owe him for our sins. Mm. We'll talk more about that in a minute. He reconciled us to himself through Christ, and he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. He gave it to you, every single one of us, as, as ministers. This is your ministry, relational reconciliation. He says that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. Thank God for that. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. You want to look like Jesus? Be a minister of reconciliation. Be somebody who not only facilitates it in your own life, but helps others facilitate it in their lives. I didn't say shame somebody into reconciling. Be somebody who encourages reconciliation. Don't be somebody that encourages the beef, the argument. Don't be somebody that throws gas on the flame. Be a firefighter. Put out those fires. Be committed to the work of reconciliation. We're Christ's ambassadors. That means we're his face. We, we literally represent him in all of these spaces that we walk into. And as his ambassador, what he did for us is what he wants us to do for others, to reconcile, to cancel those debts. He's given us that job. And because God did it with us first, we understand how to do this with others. Amen, everybody? There's a direct relationship to our, to our relationship with God and our relationship with others. So he says, go. That verse says, go. Deal with the relationship first. Handle the hurt. Handle the injury. Handle the pain. Let go. Seek reconciliation. Then come back and worship, right? It's so important that we do this. You say, Aaron, how? How do I do it? Well, there's some three big ideas that will really help us here as, uh, as we wrap up today's message. And these, these three big ideas uh, are, are really, really simple, but they're going to help you. So if you're taking notes, the first one is this. Trust God with the outcome. Trust God with the outcome. I think a lot of us want to know, well, what's the outcome going to be if I go and reconcile? That day that I showed up knocking on that door, I wanted to know that too. I wanted to know what was going to happen because I don't know if you know this about me or not, but I don't like rejection. It's not really my favorite thing. It's not. I don't like it. Anybody relate? Don't like rejection. I wanted to know the outcome, and a lot of us will hold up and stop in our, in our tracks for reconciliation because we want to know, well, are they going to receive me? Are they going to say, say, well, I, I'm sorry, and for my part, too? Are they going to reciprocate? It, well, well, if I go and reconcile with them, are, are they going to be my girlfriend or boyfriend again? Don't know. Can't promise that. That's not the point. The point is obedience, that we have to trust God with the outcome. We focus on obedience, and he handles the outcomes, and we need to trust him with that. And I know that the struggle is real here for all of us regarding this, because we want to know. We've got the case of the what-ifs, Right? Well, what if they won't hear me out? What if they reject me? What if they accept my apology but don't reciprocate? What if they spit in my face and slam the door? Yikes. We want to know the outcome before we obey, but we've got it wrong. We aren't God. How many of you are thankful for that? Because I'd be a terrible God. And because we're not God, that means we're not in control. And we're not responsible for the outcome of our reconcilia reconciliation efforts. 
We are responsible to trust and obey. That's real faith, my friends. Second thing we can do is trust God for the healing. You know, I don't have any, any ability within myself to heal anyone or anything. That may surprise you. But, but I just don't. I, don't. I do not have the power or the ability to do that. But God can. But we do have a part to play in the healing process, though. We have a responsibility. And our responsibility is simply to extend grace. It's to extend grace. Grace is giving somebody something that they didn't deserve. That's forgiveness, my friends. You see, when we're choosing to forgive, there's a debt that's owed because of the pain that they caused. And when you give them grace, when you extend forgiveness, those wrongs that they did to you, those hurts and the pains, that debt that they owed you gets canceled. You say, Steve, stinking Steve, Sally. They owe me an apology. And you extend grace and you cancel that debt to apologize. They don't deserve grace or forgiveness. Yep, but neither do we. None of us do. That's the beautiful thing. And grace, once we receive it from God, we receive forgiveness for our sins. We are expected then to be conduits of it, to let forgiveness flow into our lives from God to us and from us to others. We don't deserve to be forgiven. We didn't earn it. We didn't pay for it. It's not our right. It's our privilege. We deserve death. We deserve eternal separation from God because of our sins. But God has given us grace. He's wiped the slate clean and we're forgiven. So we give grace to others and trust God for the healing. And the last one is to trust God for the remedy. Trust God for the remedy. Trust God for the outcome. Trust God for the healing. And trust God for the remedy. You know, it's just our job to seek the reconciliation. We don't actually have to be the bridge builders. We don't actually have to be the ones that restore that connection. That's up to God. In fact, I'm gonna tell you that if you'll just step into the space, not knowing how it's gonna turn out, knowing that you're not responsible for healing, but you play a part, that the remedy will come. That even if it doesn't come immediately, that in time that remedy will come. That it's his responsibility to bring it. We don't have to know how it all work out. We don't have to know how long it will take or, or what it will take. We just need to show up. And we can't wait on the remedy before we act to reconcile. God wants us to make the first move. That's why that verse says, go, put your offering down. Go, you take the first step. Go, go and apologize. We're not really good at that, though, are we? We don't apologize. And if we do, we don't do it well. And it's quite possible because, well, when people have apologized to us, they've done it half-heartedly. They've done it incompletely. They've done it in a way that they still placed blame on you for why they behaved the way they behaved. Right? Come on, somebody. You know what I'm talking about. Let me give you some help here, a master class for apologizing. And I will tell you that uh, I'm really good at it. Do you know why I'm good at apologizing? Got lots of experience. <laughs> so let me coach you a little bit. When you come up to somebody to apologize, you want to say, I'm sorry you feel that way. 
Eh, wrong. Don't do that. Strike one. Now you want to say, you want to approach him and say, you know, I know you're really sensitive. Eh, ball two. Number three. You want to walk up to him and say, I wasn't wrong. I just wasn't right. Eh, foul three. You're out. Now listen, I know that's not how it works. It's one, two, three strikes, you're out, but thanks for paying attention. I'm just checking to make sure you're with me. That's not how it works. There is, those are all the wrong ways. And we've gotta be willing to say hard things, don't we, church? There are three things that are really hard for us to say. I'm wrong, I'm sorry, and where's the sister's sire's sauce? The three hard things to say. True. I don't even know how to say it. Where's just, just, I tried to get a training off of TikTok before I did this today to see if I could do it. I can't. It's fine. But I think we need to step up our apology game. So let me let me share you five steps for apologizing. First step is saying I'm, I'm sorry for and outlining what it is that you're sorry for. It's not sufficient just to say I'm sorry. We know we hurt somebody. We need to own the ways that we hurt them. Uh-oh. Because say, I'm sorry for. A lot of times people in my life will say, it's okay. No. No, it wasn't okay. My kids are, are notorious for responding that way. It was okay, Dad. It's okay. No, it's not okay. I'm sorry for that. I caused pain. I hurt you. I'm sorry. Second thing you can say is, it was wrong because. Give them your perspective. What you know. It was, it was wrong because, fill in the blank. Step number three, in the future, I will. Hey, this is what I'm gonna do in the future if this situation presents itself again. I've identified the behavior and the course of action that I will take and it will not be hurting you. Number four, this one will get you. Is there anything else? Oh, See, I think we know what we know, but we don't want to know what we don't know, right? And you can step into that space, and then, I mean, you're already there. You're already saying sorry. Is there anything else? Because there might be some other things. There might be something in that that you don't understand. There might be a perspective to be gained. We can step into that space and say, is there anything else? And after it's been heard, been acknowledged, Step number five is, will you forgive me? Will you forgive me? Are you willing to cancel the debt that I owe you? This is the what will it take question. Will you forgive me? Scripture tells us to go. Go and be reconciled. That if someone sinned against us, to let go. To forgive them. Cancel the debt. Trust God for the outcome. Trust God for the healing. Trust God for the remedy. Our role is to apologize and mean it. Let go of the grudge. Offer grace. Seek reconciliation for as much as it depends on you. Do you know what doing this will do? It'll set you apart from the world. The world lives in constant division, and it wants you to as well. I mean, isn't it one of our favorite things to do when there's beef going on between somebody on social media? Just, just popcorn, just watching it. We're drawn to division, to fights. 
Bible tells us we're brand new. We've got a new way to be. Let's run at fights, not with gasoline, but with a fire hose. Put out those fires. Seek reconciliation. Because God's ways, God's ways bring reconciliation. It brings unity among the brethren. So if you'll choose to follow Jesus, his ways are better. They're certainly not easier, but they're better. What's easier is just to step out of somebody's life and never see them again and never deal with them again, right? It seems easier. But forgiveness is, if anything, it's this. Forgiveness is setting the prisoner free only to discover that you were the one that was in chains. So you want to get the stress out of your relationships? Choose reconciliation. Choose forgiveness. And choose grace. Let's pray. Father, today I pray for all of us. Man, as we come out of one holiday and rage into the next, we're surrounded by opportunities to seek reconciliation. Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to speak up in those moments, the wisdom that we need in the reconciliation process, the strength to forgive and the bravery to go. Help us, God, to trust you with the outcomes, to trust you with the healing, and to trust you, Lord, with the remedies. As we choose to let go and let you help us get the stress out and discover the joy in our relationships again. Now, some of you are here today and you're hearing for the very first time that God has made every effort to reconcile with you. You said, Why would He do that, Aaron? Because He loves you. God's not mad at you, He's desperately in love with you. In fact, If you look back over your life, you'll see that God has been in desperate pursuit of you. He's not angry at you. He knows that you've made mistakes. He knew you were going to make mistakes. He knew the mistakes you made last night, and he's not mad at you. If he had an iPhone, your picture would be on his lock screen. He loves you that much. And he just wants to be in relationship with you. He's not concerned with your past. He's already settled the debt of your past. Jesus paid the price. He sent his son to live a perfect and sinless life, to be brutally murdered on a cross, to rise again from the dead on the third day so that each and every single one of us could experience God's grace and forgiveness. That was paid once and for all. So if you're here today, the Bible says the the way that you participate in that is just putting your trust and your faith in Jesus, accepting the gift that he gave us through his finished work on the cross. So if you're here today and you're ready to accept that gift, if you're ready to surrender, to trust, to enjoy a relationship with your heavenly father, I'm gonna pray a prayer in just a moment and if you'd like to join me in that prayer, I'd love to know that that's you. Would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me. Nobody's looking around. Nobody's gonna make fun of you. Yeah, thank you. Everybody pray out loud. Nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me of my sins. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. Show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. 
And if you prayed that prayer, the Bible says that all of heaven's having a party. Whether you're here or watching online, come on, Simple Church, let's celebrate with those that made a decision today. Proud of you. Today, you've made a decision to follow Jesus, and I'm going to encourage you to make the most important one, the next one. And that's to take out a Connect card and fill out your information there. The reason we're asking you to do that is because you're part of our family now. In fact, if you don't have a home church, I'm your pastor now. Hi. And we would love to join you in your spiritual journey. We'd love to help you take your next steps. We'd love to help you get connected to this beautiful church family. And so make the next best decision. Fill out that Connect card. Drop it off at the Connect Center. Our Connect team would love to help you with your next steps and get you connected with us. And uh, so make sure you take time to do that. I want to remind you uh, in these last few moments, please, please, please register for the Christmas party. Stop by, get it done.